Good morning, church. My name is Jacob Arjon, and I, alongside my beautiful, amazing wife, Tiffany Arjon, help lead the campus ministry. Woo! Amen. And I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, I love regionals. I love being with everyone here together, the Glendale and San Gabriel Ministries. The room is packed. The room looks great right now. I'm excited to be here. Also, on a personal note, my sister Selena is visiting here from Budapest, Hungary. And so that's really cool. Came from that trip. She's from Boston, actually, but she came on a youth course. So we're happy to be here, and I'm excited to be speaking to y'all today. It's going to be good. Because you know? it's a regional, and so you got to go pretty big for a regional, amen? And, I mean, I do want to start this lesson with a little bit of a warning. I am a young guy, so when I am pretty young, 22 years old, and so... When you're a young guy, you really don't have a lot going for you except for passion and a little more passion. And I'm also an ex-college football player, so there's just a lot of adrenaline going on right now. All right? And I also need to make a little bit of a confession to you guys. Uh, I found out I was doing this regional this past Tuesday, and the first thing I thought was, okay, Jake, what's the craziest thing you could say to church on Sunday? Because, you know... I'm the young buck. I'm the young guy. I'm new. This is my time to go for it, right? And so I'm going to be bold here, church, and I pray that I can bring you with me, bring you guys with me on this journey, and that it's an inspiring lesson. If not, then at least I helped you in your grace. Amen? Amen. So let's turn to Psalms 126. We're going to start off here. So Psalms 126, we're actually going to read, um, I am going to read from the 1984 NIV version. So I hope that's okay with you. So Psalms 126, we're going to read verse 1 through 3. It says, When the Lord brought back the captive to Zion, we were like men who dreams. Hmm. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. A lot of us know this scripture, but not necessarily from this passage. We know it because there is a member of our church that wrote a song based off this scripture back in 1989. And it was called Men Who Dream. And we like to sing that song every once in a while. And at one time, some would say that song was kind of a theme of our movements. Because it kind of showed where the church was at at that point. We were just a church that really dreamed that God could do great and amazing things. And so, this is a regional. We're going to talk about that today. And the title of my lesson is, The Need to Dream. We're going to go there, church, because I think that this is something that we need to have. And maybe something that we need to kind of bring back into our fellowship. Just always dreaming for big things for God. And that God could do immeasurably more than we can ever ask for or imagine. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk about the need to dream. Please turn to Proverbs 29. You know, whenever someone brings up the topic of dream big for God, I know the first question we can often ask ourselves is, why? Why do, why do we need to do that? Because, I mean, I could just be a good Christian, focus on today, do good things today. Why am I kind of thinking about the future? Why can't I just do things now? Why dream when we could just be good doers and just do things in present times today? Well, 
I want to read what can happen, though, when we don't really have vision in our lives. So Proverbs 29, verse 18. This is also a pretty famous uh, passage that some people know, but uh, it's really famous in a specific version. I want to kind of look through a couple versions to kind of get some uh, good perspectives here. So starting at NIV, the 2011 one, it says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, revelation means something new. You know, uh, just uh, a new discovery, something that's happening that it feels new. And restraint kind of means caution. So what the scripture means is that when new things aren't happening, people kind of stop caring. And they get a little reckless, and they kind of just start to do whatever they want. So that's not good. Let's uh, look at the ESV version, which says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraints. Okay, so this version brings up the whole concept of dreaming, of visions. You know, because visions are about new things, so when there's no vision, the people stop caring. They're, they have nothing kind to live for, nothing they're fighting for, so they just kind of do whatever they want. Let's look at the NLT. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Okay, this one just kind of says it. You know, and at first it says divine guidance, so that's kind of cool because the first two talked about revelation and vision. And so that kind of shows us that God wants to guide us through new things and through dreams and visions. Amen. But when we don't have that, the NLT just kind of says it. We run wild. Things get out of hand because there's nothing that's kind of centering our focus. We're just doing whatever we want. I want to close with the KJV, the King James Version which says very plainly, where there is no vision, the people perish. That is not good. I'm not sure about you, but I don't want the church to perish. That sounds terrible. I just got here, you know. I, I, I want to be here for a while. But church, the scripture kind of speaks the truth that when we don't have things we are going for, people will start to lose focus and start living careless lives and eventually, the church will die. Because when we have no vision and have no dreams, that means that God gets taken out of the picture. And we start kind of focusing on, okay, what can we do for ourselves? And when God is out of, a picture, that, out of the picture, that's a scary thing. Because growth is controlled by God. Not by us alone. Only God can grow things, both numerically and spiritually. So we don't dream that God can do big things. We're doing this on our own. And we will not grow. And if something isn't growing, that means it's dying. Church, we need to dream more than ever before. Dream that God can do so many great things. And I know when I say that, sometimes there's some fears involved because none of us like being rejected. And none of us like being embarrassed that this big prayer we set out for God isn't answered. And I'm with you on that. Sometimes it's hard to dream, especially to speak those dreams out loud, because once you do that, it's over. It's, you said it, now people are looking to you like, oh, what's this guy going to do now? But I want to encourage you guys today with two things that I think will help us have the courage to dream big things. Amen? The first thing is that God is faithful. Please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. God is faithful. Dreaming is a lot less about who we are 
and a lot more about who God is. And if we have that perspective, it encourages us to dream big dreams. 2 Timothy chapter 2, it reads verse 12 through 13. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That's kind of cool. The scripture is basically like, you know, we're going to do us, but God's going to be God. And church, our faithlessness does not influence God's faithfulness. He will remain God. God is still God. He is still the Almighty. He is still the Alpha and Omega, the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, the mountains and the valleys, the oceans and rivers, the moon and the sun, the stars and the galaxies, all the colors of the rainbow, and He created that rainbow as a promise to us mere humans that He will remain faithful to the very end. God is still God. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. Church, why would we not pray and dream to a God that is this mighty? It's honestly kind of ridiculous for us not to. It's we're not, we're ta- not taking the opportunity to use something that God has given us. We have a way to ask Him and call on Him for our dreams, and He is able to achieve all those things. Seriously, church, do you think that God can't do your heart's desires? The God who created the whole vast universe? He is such a great God. He is extraordinary in every single way. And He wants to continue to do extraordinary things through us and for us. Are we putting God to work? Or, think about this, are our requests so small and so tiny and so weak that God says, why bother? I mean, I'm God. Give me something to do. It's kind of like, for those who love uh, superheroes, it's kind of like you have the Batman signal. And you have it in your hands. And you use it to call Batman to go pick up your dry cleaning. It's like, dude, that's Batman. You go pick up your own dry cleaning. Batman goes to save the world. Call him to do that. Don't waste Batman's time. You serious? He's got better things to do. Church, are we wasting God's time with our prayers and dreams? Are we giving him something marvelous to do? God wants to work for us and do extraordinary things. And I want to say this, it doesn't matter where you are right now with God. It doesn't matter if this is your first time visiting church, maybe ever, maybe in a long time. Hey Amen, we're happy to have you here. And God is too. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 20 plus years or whatever. Wherever you're at with God, God still wants to answer your prayers and dreams. And you should feel confident asking for those things because you serve an almighty God who can do so much for you. Please turn to Hebrews 13. I also want to say that this church specifically doesn't always have to look to the Bible to see that God has already done so much for us. A lot of us have seen amazing miracles firsthand. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. 
Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scripture says to remember our leaders and what they have done before us and what we've seen. And it says, it closes with saying that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Basically, what happened then can happen now. Amen? And I stand here very grateful, very humble to be a part of this church and even to be on staff here is crazy because, for those of you who don't know, this church has a lot of great history. I mean, I came here, and um, specifically in our leaders, uh, the first thing my dad told me when I was interviewing for this job was, oh, Marty, Chris, Fuquay, Reese, and Mary Kay, Neelan. Those are the OGs of the church. They're, they're just, they go back. And also, Rafael, Lua, and Griselda, and Jose, and Adriana, so, so many stories and so many miracles this church has come so far, and it's honestly incredible when you see and realize how much we have done through God. And it's inspiring. We have a lot of that history in our background. And I know for me, I'm so grateful. Uh, my parents were reached out to in 1995, and the L.A. church was the region right next to us in the east. And uh, they studied the Bible with great people, with the Gansers, actually, who are now the Marichis. And they made this... Now the Marichis. Amen. For those of you who know. And, amen. We're on, we're on a roll. And they made the decision to make Jesus Lord and got baptized. And I just, I remember just being a part of that church. And I was, I was a kid. I was actually not even one when that happened. But I just remember my parents always being in people's lives. And they actually were led for a while by Rob and Connie Cosberg, which is really cool. Going way back there. But, so many great things. And I remember, I felt like my mom and dad were superheroes. Because I felt like we had so many random people in our house all the time. And uh, they were always investing into people's lives. And I feel like almost every weekend I was at a baptism. Uh, six, seven, eight years old. It was just, we, things were always happening. And this great church that I felt very privileged, even as a young kid, to be a part of. But church, to be honest, those are, um, I was just a kid. And those memories are starting to fade. And I'm starting to lose them a little bit. And besides, I want my own stories. And church, I want us to have new stories that proclaim to God that He is still alive and working with our lives. And He is incredible and can do immeasurably more. Church, are we giving God a chance to work? I know for me, I, I'm, I feel great to be here. And I can come in here with a lot of insecurities, but I look at the history of our church, I look at what God has done, and I would feel very weird and ashamed to, for me to come here and not believe that God can do the same and even more. You know, seriously. I, I, and I can have those insecurities like, oh, well, that was back then. Times have changed. Especially college students. They're, they're, they're a whole new uh, crop of people. And... Uh, Times are changing, social media is out there, and they're, they're just not open anymore. And they're also incredibly flaky sometimes, too. I can have all those thoughts in my head, but that's a lie from Satan. There are so many open people out there, and I need to have the faith, because it's not about man. It, it's not about man. It's about God. And if God did the same thing back then, He could do the same thing now. God does not change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Church, we need a dream. 
it didn't just happen in the 80s and 90s. It's, it can happen now. Turn to John 14. Because not only can it happen now, it actually can be even better. John 14. I want to read verse 12 through 14 at John, John 14. Jesus makes us a promise here that things can actually get better. And that's pretty crazy. John 14, verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Church, that's a crazy scripture. Really? Anything? Anything in my name? And he says greater things like we know what Jesus has done. He's walked on water. He calmed the storms. He fed thousands. He raised people from the dead. And he himself rose from the dead. But then Jesus says greater. Like what? What does that even mean? I don't know. But I know that we will never find out if we don't dream big things for God. Church, God wants to do greater things for us. Are we giving him a chance? Let us dream for great things, not based on our power, our knowledge, or whatever, but based on God. Because God is faithful, and he does not change. And we honestly don't need nearly as much faith. In fact, we only need a mustard seed. Please turn to Matthew 13. We only need a mustard seed of faith for God to work. Matthew 13, verse 31 Jesus kind of gives us a really cool example, analogy here, of how little we actually need to put on the table for God to do something amazing, which is pretty encouraging. So Matthew 13, verse 31 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. How encouraging is that, church? Our faith can be this small, and God can turn it into an incredible, amazing tree. God's incredible. And I keep saying this word dreams, and honestly, we all have them. They're just a little hidden. Because I can ask the crowd, I think most of us want our family and friends to become Christians, amen? And more than that, a lot of us are struggling with some deep, kind of pitted sin that's always plaguing us, and we want to be free and be set apart from our sin. So we have all these hidden spiritual just dreams and, and kind of cries out to God, but we don't truly cry out. We keep it in there. We want so many things, but they remain hidden. And we need to start saying things, church. With just the mustard seed, you don't even have to believe it really can happen. Just start saying these dreams. And God can work. It's just taking a seed, plant it in the ground. Maybe God can do something. I know for me, I had the opportunity to go to New York to go to school at Columbia. And I went there to play football. And I, and I grew up in the church and I got very involved in the team industry. And I had a great time there. Uh, I saw a lot of great things done um, at the church there in L.A., so I came to New York, and I wanted to do great things as well. And I came to Columbia, which was a little barren spiritually, and it had been for a long time. 
But I came with this dream in mind. Okay, I'm coming to New York City to make a huge impact, a splash in the Big Apple. And so I had this dream. It was I wanted to see 100 disciples at Columbia, 100 committed Christians at Columbia University. And coming there, there was one senior guy. And so God had some work to do, amen. But I had that vision in my heart, and I wanted to tell the whole church, I wanted to tell everyone right when I got there. But I got there, the first person I sat down with was actually that lone senior disciple at Columbia. And he kind of sat me down, and I was all excited to be here. And he was pretty much like, Jake, I know you probably feel pretty fired up to be here, but I'll be honest, man, it's, it's been tough. And uh, we'd have Bible talks and uh, try to get people out to learn about uh, the Word of God. And a lot of times it would just be me and the pizza. And, and that would be it. And so I'm sure you just have a, a lot of dreams being here, man, but I just want to let you know it's pretty tough. And basically, he didn't say this, but it, he kind of made me feel that just God wasn't going to work at Columbia. Because it's an Ivy League school in the middle of New York City, and uh, the students just weren't open, and they were too busy and whatever. And so I was like, okay. And I kept my dream close to my heart, didn't pray about it, didn't voice it out loud. And I had my first freshman year, and it was, it was rough, and nothing happened. And I had the opportunity, uh, opportunity that summer to go to an, an ICMC, which was a, kind of like a big campus ministry conference in Orlando, Florida. And I went there, and it's a very inspiring time. Just have all these great speakers, all these classes, seeing thousands of college students together. It's inspiring. It's like, okay, cool. It gives you kind of a vision. So um, I was still in jazz and jazz and fired up, and... Uh, that following um, service at church, uh, John Markowski wanted to have some of the college students come up and talk about the conference. So I'm like, okay, I would love to volunteer. And so I go up there, and the whole time I'm like, okay, should I say the dream? Should I not? I mean, I, I don't want, I don't know. I'm still just a, an 18-year-old freshman. I, I'm not sure. And so I'm debating in my head, what should I do here? I go up, and I'm like, Jacob Ardron had a great time at the conference. Uh, Amazing lessons and all these great things, and I uh, met a lot of cool people. And I'm about to leave, and I'm like, oh, by the way, I have a dream that Columbia will have uh, 100 disciples by the time I graduate. So, three years, 100. Be praying about that, church. Amen. <laughs> and I walk off. The mic got dropped, and the church didn't really know how to respond. I think it was just a bunch of crickets everywhere. I think, <laughs> I think John just patted me on the back saying, good job, Jake. Okay, cool. <laughs> but church, I said the dream. I said it out loud. Church, sometimes we just got to start saying stuff, and the crazier the better. Let's give God something to do and start dreaming again. Please turn to Mark 9. I'm going to close out here. Mark chapter 9. And again, we only need a mustard seed of faith, church. Just a little bit. Just to give God something to work with. And I actually want to read a really inspiring story here in Mark 9. that shows how God really wants to, to bless us, even when our faith's not even all the way there. So Mark 9, I'm going to pick up in verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder 
I ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by his spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirits, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long should I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Okay, so crazy story, right? Crazy just start of this story. It's going to end pretty soon here. But I have this huge crowd, and they come around Jesus, and this man says, hey, Jesus, I have my son, and he's got some problems. He's a little demon-possessed here, and I, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't really tend to him. And so Jesus is like, come on, guys, let's go. Bring the boy to me. So it's about to go down. It's about to get real. All right. So they're bringing the boy to Jesus. And so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, immediately threw the boy into the convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So right now you see the boy's father isn't like just overflowing with faith. He, he's been through some stuff. And actually they, they bring the boy to Jesus and he just has a full on attack right there. It's like, wow, it's not looking good. And this man's, this, this father is probably like, you know, your disciples already tried. Obviously my son is crazy. Uh, Jesus, if you, if you can, I mean... If you can do something, I'm not sure. Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the emperor spirits. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed and violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hands and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. Amen. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This father's faith was challenged. Jesus challenged him straight on saying, hey, do you truly believe in this? And his answer is not really all that for sure. <laughs> He's like, I do believe, but also help me overcome my unbelief. He, he wants to believe here. And church, if, for all the dreams that you, you might be thinking about right now in your head, I think that you don't have to have absolute faith that it can happen to give God a chance. This father is like, you know, I want to believe, but I'm not there yet. Please help me overcome my unbelief. And church, I, I'll be honest, I, I, prayed that, I prayed that prayer many times. Because I said that huge 103 years vision and uh, things did not pick up right after that. Actually, that following semester was, was like the worst semester of my life. Um, it was actually the semester that I was a college football player and I blew out my knee with a career-ending injury. And my vision was really to make a spiritual impact on this team. And I'm like, God, come on. Like, 
I want to be here to help make disciples on this team, and now I can't play football anymore. Like, what are you doing here? I had this huge vision, and not only that, but just that semester in general, there was very little to no Bible studies happening at campus. And I was just, I was shook up. And I had to say many times with my friend Jeff on this prayer walk along the Hudson River, God, I'm not seeing this right now. I want to believe that you can do great things on this campus because we still hadn't had a baptism in like over 10 years. It was so barren. I was like, God, I'm trying to believe, but I need your help. Please help me overcome my unbelief. And God bless that. And that next fall, we had a pretty incredible fall. We had a baptism. It was amazing. We baptized a freshman named, a freshman named Jason. He was our first. A couple weeks later, we baptized another freshman named Jacob. We called him Jacob 2.0. And a really cool thing happened with the football team because I could no longer play, but the coach allowed me to kind of stay on the team as like the team chaplain. And so I was able to preach to the team every Saturday before game. And a football player came from that. His name is Kendall. And that was pretty cool. He's a big 6'5", 300-pound lineman. So that was a lot of fun getting him into the baptistry. And then uh, we also got a girl involved, uh, a freshman named Shay. I give it up for the freshman amen. And she got baptized all in this one semester. And that roommate, um, Kendall, the football player, he also brought out his roommate, Ammo. And he wanted to go pretty big and get baptized in the Hudson River when it was frozen. And so that was a lot of fun as well. As so I was two football players that got baptized that semester. And church, God just starts just started to work. And uh, what was also pretty cool is that was the, we finally had enough students to become a club on campus. Amen. And so we got official club recognition. And in a way... Through that, God even kind of made my dream come true because uh, just this past year, because we were a club, we were able to reserve, reserve large rooms. And this past year, we reserved the largest room on campus, and we packed it out with almost 200 college disciples from all around New York City. And that was all because of that one semester. We just grew and we became that club, and we had crazy, amazing events. That was actually like a campus Sunday service where the all-New York campus came to Columbia on a Sunday morning to worship God and hear an inspiring lesson. On this campus, the people said, was not open, and God couldn't work. There were almost 200 college disciples there worshiping God this past year. Church, sometimes we just got to start saying stuff, and God's going to bless it. And church, right now, I just really want to challenge you to dream. That's really the one take home from this lesson is just start dreaming again more and more. Specifically, I want to challenge you to write down one specific dream that's so impossible that if it happened, it's only because of God. And tell one person about your dream. And again, the crazier the better. Dream for the kingdom of God. Dream big, enormous dreams that you know that only God can do. And give God something to work with. And church, I just, I'm, I'm excited. I know I have a lot of dreams. But honestly, I want to hear from you guys. I want you to be crazy. You to be bold and just start coming up and just start saying just, man, I believe because we serve a God so great, he can do so many things. And I have so many things I want to be done. Let me dream and pray and talk about these things that God can do for us.
I hope this lesson was encouraging today. And I hope you have been reminded of how God has already done great things among us. And I hope you have been inspired to once more be planting the seeds of dreamers. Amen. Because if we do so, it shall be said among the nations that there is a God who shares our dream, whose spirit moves our generation. And we will go into the nations, pledging souls into that stream and singing songs that stir the angels. Church, let's be dreamers. Amen.